This is a production of Cornell University. Hello and welcome to the Cornell Turfgrass Shortcut Podcast, your weekly connection to turfgrass information, brought to you by Cornell University's Turfgrass Program in partnership with the New York State Turfgrass Association. My name is Frank Rossi. I'm the Associate Professor of Turfgrass Science here in the Department of Horticulture at Cornell University, and the following are observations and recommendations for the week of September 13th, 2010. Well, a cool but dry week ahead, so renovations are going to need water for success. The cool weather is a welcome relief, yet the dry conditions seem to be hampering renovations, except where, when irrigation is available. Be sure to attack your renovation programs now, as this will aid in preventing further weed invasion next spring from winter annual and late germinating perennial broadleaf weeds. Consider an application of tenacity with your seeding, as this will also aid in keeping the annual bluegrass at bay. We are in peak germination period right now for annual bluegrass from seed, and this may influence your decision to core cultivate or use solitines to reduce disturbance. Weather information from last week, temperatures were above normal with areas 4 to as much as 7 above, especially to the north. Southern areas were slightly cooler, in fact, about 2 degrees below normal. Some heat stress in the I-95 corridor and along the Great Lakes. Heat accumulation continues to surge well above normal with most areas between 500 and 700 more than normal or what essentially is an extra month of growing season. A dry week for most areas except the far eastern tip of Maine that caught some of Earl and received four plus inches. Many areas had no rain. About a half to three quarters of an inch for the region in evapotranspiration. Soil temps were in the upper 60s to the north and low 70s to the south. Dollar spot risk is low this week for uh, the forecast for this week. Dollar spot risk will be low for interior areas except for a few moderate spots, but will remain high for the coast and the I-95 corridor. And the forecast for this coming week. After a showery period, temps will become noticeably cooler with highs only in the upper 60s, but lows will be well above normal with evening temps about 3 to 5 above. Expect a dry period for most of the week as an extended ridge is setting up and will keep us dry in the 18 to 4, 8 to 14 day period. And you can check out all the weather information and predictive maps at www.nrcc.cornell.edu backslash grass. <clears throat> the Cornell Cooperative Extension Update begins with Walt Nelson's Finger Lakes report. Some lingering brown patch on lawns and many turf areas still looking brown even after some rainfall. Many school fears are starting to show wear from excessive traffic. The Capital District report from Dave Chinnery. Still very dry in the Capital District and many areas still in a dormant phase. The major question from this season seems to be crabgrass, as most are noticing this now that the lawns are still dormant. The crabgrass is going to seed. A local golf course had stressed turf that we found curvularia on, but it seems secondary to other stress problems. The Westchester report, Jerry Giordano and Rick Harper. The summer came back this week. Past week sent lawns into the summer comeback this past week sent lawns into a tailspin again. Many municipalities are still imposing water restrictions. This is limiting renovations as there is no water for seeding or sodding. A number of samples have come in with chinch bugs, summer patch, and even dollar spot on lawns and golf turf. The Eastern Long Island report from Tom Kowalsik. The East End received about two inches from Earl as he was heading up the coast, but most of the rest of the county remains dry. Samples of chinch bug, especially on fine fescue, seems odd as many, if not most, of the fine fescues we would plant these days would be endophyte enhanced. Also, summer patch samples still coming into the lab as well as Japanese stiltgrass has taken over a few lawns that are regularly irrigated. 
Finally, the usual problems with sodding over poor subsoil without attempting to amend the existing soil after the topsoil was removed. This has led to severe root problems and general poor turf performance. We recommend the addition of compost to the subsoil prior to laying the sod. However, this is an oft-overlooked aspect of any project. Japanese stiltgrass update from Randy the Iron Man Prostac. Japanese stiltgrass is that odd warm season grass, C4 species, that is both tolerant of full sun and shady conditions. In fact, it is a major invasive species in wooded areas, choking out the understory. Obviously, an important strategy at this time of year is to prevent adding to the seed bank by using a line trimmer to cut off the seed heads before they mature or treat with non-selective materials such as Roundup. Next spring, plan for pre-emergence control, but keep in mind it can be applied later than crabgrass pre's, and be sure to check the label. The Sports Turf Update from Joanne Grudadario, our Sports Turf Specialist. Focus on cooperation. Communicate with coaches, players, etc. that cooperation is critical if turf density is to be maintained. Practice tips. Have players do their individual warm-ups off the field. Change practice locations on the field daily. Use a portable goal and move it around the field. Move off the 20-yard line and practice plays on the 25 or the 30-yard line. Focus on turf density. Overseed perennial ryegrass at the rate of 4 to 6 pounds per 1,000 square feet in high-traffic areas. Allow athletes to clean in the seed. Apply 1 pound of nitrogen per 1,000 square feet with 30 to 50% of it in the slow-release form about two weeks after seedling emergence to encourage root and rhizome growth. Mow frequently two to three times per week to encourage turf density. Water to support turf growth for health and resiliency. The typical recommendation is for one to one and a half inches of water per week. If rainfall is insufficient and you are able to irrigate, proper watering is essential. When you know your soil and have factored in climatic conditions, you can better estimate the amount of water needed for your fields. Water efficiently, you can avoid overwatering. Remember to avoid traffic stress traffic on wilted areas until the turf has time to recover. Scout fields now. Assess broadleaf weed pressure and determine if herbicide application will be necessary later this month or in early October. Be prepared to clean up your fields with a properly timed application, which can provide good control for two to three years when proper cultural and management practices are followed. Remember the ban on pesticide use on school grounds will go into effect May 2011, so do all you can to encourage turf density. The diagnostic update from Rich Buckley, the Director of Diagnostic Services at Rutgers University. Insect issues. This week we had a couple samples from landscape turf that had contained grubs, oriental beetles. We also had a sample with chinch bugs. I was surprised to see the grubs, but not the chinch bugs. Dry conditions are very good for chinch bugs, but not so good for white grubs. We've also seen sod webworm on our turf farm in recent weeks. It is not uncommon to see insect problems in turf grass in late summer and early fall as dormant turf grass areas recover. The grass that isn't greening up may have some unwanted guests. Heat and drought killed most of the grass this summer, but it's always best to take a closer look before coming to any conclusions. Fairy ring. One disease we are seeing plenty of is fairy ring. Most fairy ring fungi cause hydrophobic conditions in the root zone of a turf stand. Grass in the dry spots wilts and dies, and fairy ring control often centers on preventing the dry spots with wetting agents and surfactants. The consequences of hydrophobic soils are enhanced during heat and drought, which is why we are seeing more damage in the field and getting more samples in the lab. From the landscape, the diagnostic update indicates our submission forms ask the question, when did the symptoms occur? And to a small, to a sample, all respond with the dates in mid-July, which was just after a streak of 100 degrees plus days. It is remarkable how many arborvitae samples we got from trees that simply cooked in July. We've also had a string of cooked red maples, dogwood, a few spruce, 
couple of rhododendron twigs, and a bunch of transplants of various types. The summer stress most certainly doomed anything transplanted this spring or summer to failure. It is still pretty dry and looks the same going forward. Be careful with your fall transplants and be sure to give your valuable landscape plants a nice drink before winter or I will be writing about all the winter damage in the March newsletter. My gazing in the grass piece this week focuses on coring golf course turf. As the weather cools, many are staging for late summer, early fall coring programs. For golf turf managers that are considering delaying this process, keep in mind it is an excellent time to get some top dressing down to address the annual fall surge of top growth most grasses experience. Also, this is the prime time for annual bluegrass germination. From seed and research from the University of Maryland found that about 75% of all annual bluegrass germination occurs at this time. So if you're growing annual bluegrass, now is the time to core. And if you prefer to not increase annual bluegrass, then delay coring or consider using solid time cultivation that does not cause as much disturbance. If you are planning on delaying your coring until later, be sure to plan to fill the holes with sand as there is some evidence that this enhances recovery the following spring. Finally, keep in mind that coring is an excellent means of amending problem soils when making many holes, removing the cores, and backfilling with sand or other desirable material. Now is the time to be aggressive if you struggled with your soils this season, but keep in mind this is after a long ter- this is often a long-term process and will generally recommend we will generally recommend 4 to 6 aggressive hollow tine corings to properly amend poor soil or address excessive thatch accumulation. And just a programmatic announcement. Our Cornell Turfgrass Short Courses return this year in December on the Cornell University campus. We're splitting it up this year into two two-and-a-half-day short courses. The December 13th to 15th will be Golf Turf Pest Management, which will address a lot of the issues we faced in 2010. And in December 15th to 17th, will be to address the Child Safe Playing Field Act or sports turf management without pesticides. Thank you for joining me for the weekly installment of the Cornell Turfgrass Shortcut Podcast, your weekly connection to turfgrass information. My name is Frank Rossi. I'm the Associate Professor of Horticulture at Cornell University, and I hope you have a great week. This has been a production of Cornell University, on the web at cornell.edu.